Jesus Culture Encounter Conference is coming to Sacramento March 9th through 11th. Come join us in our hometown as we gather with people of common faith and passion to encounter God. Speakers include Jensen Franklin, John Gray, Dave Gibbons, Rebecca Lyons, and Banning Liebscher. With worship by Bethel Music with Brian and Jen Johnson, and of course, Jesus Culture. Tickets are on sale now at jcconference.com. That's jcconference.com. Enter the code JCSAC for $10 off. Again, that code is JCSAC for $10 off the Jesus Culture Encounter Conference. You're listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Church Podcast. If you have your Bibles, get them out. Matthew chapter 6, we are going to launch out. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the 40-day prayer and fasting. I'm going to talk to you a lot about it today. But we're not going to cover all of it today. Uh, We'll take the next few weeks and actually kind of dive into this concept of prayer and fasting and just kind of the model that Jesus gave us. But Matthew chapter 6, when you got saved... When you gave your life to Jesus, surrendered to him, accepted his work on the cross, it's all right. It really is. People feel so bad. They feel like we're we're all good. Either we have kids or we've been a kid. Um, Am I right? Sometimes when people get irritated on planes, I'm like, you realize you were that age, right? Um, And are still acting like it. Um, But anyways... Yeah, people get irritated with kids on planes. I just, anyways. Okay, listen, that's a whole side issue. Don't get me into that one. Um, <laughs> when you got saved, uh, when you gave your life to Jesus, uh, you became a follower of Jesus. So our life is following Jesus. We want to uh, live as he lived, lead as he led, love as he loved. We, we want to follow the example of Jesus. And one of those examples is he lived a life of prayer. Jesus lived a life of prayer. The example he gave us was somebody who lived in prayer. And he calls us to the same. So Jesus uh, not only calls us to a life of prayer, he not only teaches us about prayer, which much of his teaching was about prayer, but he also modeled it for us. It was really powerful. In fact, if you read, especially the Gospel of Luke, Luke, for whatever reason, more than the other Gospels, loved to highlight the personal prayer life of Jesus. I love the book of Luke for this reason, because he would, he would just say phrases like the disciples would get up in the morning and Jesus wasn't there, and he, he had gotten up early in the morning, risen before daybreak, and gone and prayed. Or he recorded how Jesus would stay up all night long in prayer. Or before any big decision, Jesus would be up in some mountain somewhere seeking the Father. And, and there was just, Luke records this kind of life of prayer. And in Luke, there's, you know, and the disciples, the disciples, there's a couple of key questions that are recorded that the disciples asked Jesus, uh, increase our faith. But one of them was, teach us how to pray. And that question actually came from, they watched Jesus and the way he lived. They watched him and they saw him praying. And when they saw him praying, they said, Jesus, will you teach us to do that? Will you teach us to live like that? Because they connected the fact that the the relationship Jesus had with the Father was tied to prayer. The faith that he walked in, tied to prayer. The power that he walked in, tied to prayer. And so, so the disciples said, you know, they didn't say, teach us miracles. They said, teach us how to pray. 
Teach us that right there. And so Jesus says, okay. And, and so he calls us to a life of prayer. But not only this, Jesus kind of assumes we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit's hungry to pray. Holy Spirit desires to pray. And Jesus, whenever he taught, I, I love it. it it's, it's, it's subtle, but Jesus isn't like, hey, listen, if you pray. Like, if you get around to praying, he's like, and I'll read this. He, his statement is, when you pray. When you pray, here's how I want you to do it. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He's talking to us. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, stay in the synagogues on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, and then he talks about going to the inner room, finding the Father in secret. But his assumption is you're a follower of Jesus. That means you're going to pray. That means you're going to live a life of prayer. See, we're about to, we're entering into a season of prayer and fasting. We're into entering into a season of 40 days. But ult the ultimate goal is that we would live a life of prayer, that we would live a life like this. And this is what Jesus assumes from us and calls us to, is that we would live a life of prayer. But not only does Jesus assume we're going to be praying as followers of Jesus, he also assumes we're going to be fasting. Now, some of us are like, hey, prayer kind of, I, I, you know, we, we, none of us have it figured out, but we've got a heart for that moving towards that, but, but fasting. But he assumes the same thing. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 10, 10 verses down, says this. Moreover, when you fast. Again, I love this. Jesus isn't like, if you fast, if it's not inconvenient, if you ever get around to it. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. I love it. This is just, as a follower of Jesus, our life is prayer and fasting. It's a major part of our life. It's what we should be living out. It's what we should be doing. It's what we should be giving ourselves to. It's what we should be growing in. Again, I've, and I've said this a lot, you do not have to have arrived. Arrival is not like, but you have to be in pursuit. The Bible says, pursue holiness. You, you don't have to arrive at holiness right now. You do have to be in pursuit of it. You don't necessarily have to have this amazing prayer life and this amazing fasting life. You do need to be moving towards it, though, in pursuit of it. And that's what it means to follow Jesus, to look at him and to understand how he lived and say, that's how I want to live. Will you teach me how to pray? And Jesus loves to teach people how to pray. And the Holy Spirit loves to guide you and lead you in that. But not only did Jesus live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, and not only does he call us to this, we see it in the, in the early church too, in the New Testament church. The church in Acts connected prayer and fasting. Let me give you two quick verses. Acts 13.3. Then having fasted and prayed... And laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they fasted and they prayed. Acts 14, 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So we see that the early church not only is the example of Jesus, that he calls us to prayer and fasting and to that rhythm and to that lifestyle, but the early church had it as well. Sometimes they prayed, sometimes they prayed and connected fasting to it as well. The early church had that, but also just church history. Mothers and fathers throughout history, people that we draw from, people that have helped shape 
uh, what Christianity is and looks like and, and the expression of Christianity, these men and women that we draw from, they live lives like this. Listen to this. Bill Bright, in his book, This Coming Revival, writes this. Down through the years, godly people who have done mighty things for God have testified to the necessity of prayer with fasting. John Wesley, who shook the world for God during the Great Awakening that gave rise to the Methodist Church toward the end of the 18th century, is representative of such great spiritual leaders. He so strongly believed in the power of fasting and prayer that he urged early Methodists to fast every Wednesday and Friday. In fact, he refused to ordain anyone in Methodism unless they agreed to do it. Let me just say this real quick. These church leaders in history that we love and reference, they were hardcore. <laughs> like, they were hardcore. Like, they were radical in some stuff. They wouldn't, he wouldn't even ordain you unless you fasted Wednesday and Friday. Other great Christian leaders who made prayer with fasting a part of their lives were Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, Jonathan Edwards, Matthew Henry, Charles Finney, Andrew Murray, and many more. So, so we see that, that Jesus calls us to live a life of prayer and fasting, that, that the early church lived like that, church fathers and mothers in history have, that this is just part of who we are as believers. And when people ask, why do you pray? See, this is, Isaiah actually says that there's never, there's, nobody's ever heard of. In the book of Isaiah, he actually goes, there's never been a God. Nobody's ever heard of, no eye has seen, no ear has heard of a God who actually responds to those who wait for him. So, so we, we have a God who is actually moved to action by us, who actually responds. And this is a powerful thing. And so when people say, well, why do you pray? Here's why we pray. Luke chapter 9. Listen to this. This is why we pray. Luke 11, verse 9. Jesus is teaching. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone. It's profound. He's not a respecter of persons on this thing. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So we look at that and say, why do we pray? Why is a believer prayer not our last resort? but our first default step. Why is that? Well, simple. Because we have a God who responds. Because he makes it very clear that everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be open. If I really believe that, then my first response is prayer, not my last response. So I, I give myself to this. But here's the, here's the context of that verse. So Jesus, I mean, this is a very powerful statement that he's making. And he says this, anything you ask in prayer, believe and you'll receive. Uh, it's a powerful, that's a profound statement that if we really understood it at its depth, we would live differently. Anything we ask in prayer, believing, we'll receive. That's incredible. But this verse right here, ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock the door will be open to you. The preceding story, Jesus tells a story and then tells that verse. And here's the story he tells. He tells a story of a friend of a man at midnight whose friend showed up to his house unannounced. And in the Jewish culture, you would never, ever think about having friends come to your house. Very Middle Eastern. You would never have people come and not actually host them well by giving them some food when they come in from their journey, ever. It's just embarrassing. So this friend who didn't have any bread, 
These guys, his friends come at midnight. This man gets up. He goes over to his neighbor's house. He knocks on the door and says, can you give me some bread? The neighbor goes, nope, I'm in bed. Go away. He keeps knocking, please. My kids are in bed. Go away. He keeps knocking and he keeps knocking until finally the guy gets up and gives him some bread. And then Jesus, and then directly after that in Luke 11, he says, everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, he who knocks the door will be opened. It's in the context of a story about a man who wouldn't give up. There's some persistence has to be connected to prayer. Persistence has. That translation could probably, would, would better be every, you know, everyone who asks and keeps asking. Everyone who seeks and keeps seeking. Everyone who knocks and continues to knock. Many of us, our prayers aren't answered because we just don't stick with it. We just don't stick with it. That's why I'm telling you that when Jesus would teach on prayer, he was consistently connecting the revelation of the Father to his teaching on prayer. Because if you're going to be persistent, you have to understand him as a father. You have to understand his nature and character as a father. Because the most persistent people on the planet are kids. It's insane. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. They wear you down. It is unbelievable. And they just keep coming. They literally don't know what no means. And they just keep coming until all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm giving you what I didn't want. What just happened? How do you do that to me? And it starts when they're a baby. They can't even formulate words. And they are coming. And they do not stop. You know? It's just what it is. Kids are like, yeah, you're my dad. Of course you want to, right? I totally know you want to. I just, I'm coming. I, you know, and so, so a lot of us, because that's why it's like, if you don't have a, if you don't have the right view of the father, you'll never be persistent. Cause it's not, it's not about working harder. It's it, like prayer is not about working harder. It's about understanding its nature and go, oh, you're a father. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He'll open the door. He'll open the door, you know? So, so. So persistence matters. And many people, their prayers don't get answered because they just aren't persistent. And, and, and there really is something about, I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to keep locking in. I'm going to go after this thing. Now, there are seasons that God calls us to where we are to really press in and be persistent on this thing. There are seasons. So, so again, our goal is not to have a season of prayer. It's to have a lifestyle of prayer. But there are specific seasons, and we see it throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we see the importance of times where you separate for a purpose, for a cause. We're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the fast that Jesus went on when he went to the wilderness for 40 days. We're going to talk about the fast that Moses was on when he was up on the mountain. But there are times we see where Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God, where Jesus separates into the wilderness to, to meet with God. And so there are seasons where, where we really do begin to lock in on this thing. Now, again, you may not have grown up in the church, so for those, for those of us that grew up in the church, the number 40 means something. You know, it's like, and we don't even sometimes know why. We're just, I don't know, 40's godly. I don't know. But, 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 there, but 40 is not just a number that we pulled out of somewhere. It, there, there is biblical precedence, and 40 is a significant number in Scripture. Again, there's a whole list of what we could do out of all the 40s in Scripture, but Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days. Moses prayed and fasted for 40 days. Uh, you know, 40 is a number of completion. That's what it is. 
the children of Israel wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, David reigned for 40 years. Solomon reigned. It's a completion concept. And that's why when we say we're going to go 40 days, it's, it's carrying something through to completion. In fact, a woman on average, but pregnant, you know, a, a woman is pregnant for 40 weeks. And then, and then there's a completion and a birthing that happens. So that 40 is that completion type concept. So when we gather together and say, all right, we're going to go after this thing, 40 is a significant number. And this is what I believe God's calling us to at the beginning of this year, is that we would really set aside 40 days just to seek him. That we would set aside 40 days just to lean in on prayer and fasting for what he intends to release to us. Now, prayer and fasting, whenever we go into these seasons, what it does is it begins to require from us two things that are very important. Consistency and focus. Consistency and focus. This is one of the things that we lack sometimes in our prayer life is just consistency. It's just consistency. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep knocking, and I'm going to keep knocking, and I'm going to keep knocking. And, and, and the Bible, Jesus would teach, says, I don't want you to lose heart. So here's a story I'm going to tell you not to lose heart when you pray. Because when you pray, many times people stop being consistent because they start losing heart. They're just consistent. So whenever we enter into a season of prayer and fasting, it begins to require from us both consistency and focus. And consistency is huge. The ability just to hit the same thing again and again until you get breakthrough. I'm just going to keep hitting until I get breakthrough. I'm going to hit the same spot until I get breakthrough. I told you that I don't, I, uh, um, I didn't really grow up outdoorsy. I, I don't know why. I just didn't really grow up outdoorsy. And so, you know, um, you know, I never really went out and experienced some of the, I guess, wonders of outdoors and wildlife. But, but I remember one time when I, 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 so I didn't grow up like splitting wood and cutting fire. You know, I didn't grow up like that. But when we moved into a house in Reading, it had a wood stove. And so, you know, I usually I just go buy like wood from the guy on the corner, you know, the oak or whatever. But Jason Valentin, a friend of mine uh, in Reading who grew up in Weaverville, he called me one day. He's like, he goes, uh, um, he goes hey, Banning, uh, you want to go cut some wood for your fireplace? He didn't even need wood. He just, he just enjoys cutting wood. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I guess. You know, he's like, yeah, come on, let's go cut some wood. And uh, uh, he goes, we'll go to Weaverville and we'll, we'll cut some wood for your fireplace. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, so I like got my flannel on or I don't even know what I did, but I'm like, let's go. And, uh, and we go to Weaverville and it's uh, me, it's Chris Kilala who Chris had to have been, I don't know, early 20s. Uh, um, you know, he's in his early 20s. And it's Chris Gill and me and Jason. And we go to Weaverville, and there's like this, you know, Trinity National Park or whatever it is. And, and they'll go in and they'll kind of clear, they'll cut stuff. And then they leave these huge, massive, you have to climb up all on top of them, these massive piles of like brush and trees and all that stuff. So what you do is you go out there and you find some and you cut, you know, with like a chainsaw and manly acts or whatever else you do. So, so we go out there and, um, and then, and then Jason's like geeking out, telling us about all the different types of wood. And there's like really great wood. And, and, and so he's telling us about all this wood, but he tells us about this wood called Madrone. So Madrone is like, like his favorite wood. And, and you know, because in Weaverville, 
you had to like, you would have a fire go all night long to heat your home. And that was the only source of heat for a lot of those homes in Weaverville. So you had to make sure you got a wood that burned bright and, and, and hot and long, you know, didn't just burn out real quick. So Madrone was that wood. And Madrone, they told me, is like part of the Manzanita family. I think it's part of the Rock family. <laughs> like it's this really hard, dense wood. But man, this was it. So it was like, it was like a treasure hunt. We'd go in these piles and find Madrone. And then, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd cut them with chainsaws. And then so Jason and I would be up cutting them with chainsaws. And Chris, his job was to split them. So they'd get the rounds and then split them. Well, listen, Chris and I had never split wood. So, so Jason's like, all right, Chris. And he kind of gives him, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to hit this, uh, you know, round in the same spot every time. <laughs> same spot every time. If you're good, if you're going to split it, just same spot every time. And, and Chris is all, all right, but listen, we've never, like, just hitting the wood every time is victory, <laughs> is success. <laughs> Not missing it. So he did, he's like, hit it in the same spot every time and you'll split it. So we go up and we're like, you know, cutting wood and being manly. And then we'd come down <laughs> and Chris would be on the same exact round. <laughs> and, and it would just be like, like just, you know, I'm like, just all these like cuts, <laughs> none of them the same. And just like wood chips everywhere. <laughs> like, what are you making? Like hamster bedding? Like what's going on right now? <laughs> He's like, I can't hit the same spot. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> he didn't, and you know, he didn't, he didn't get one of them. Jason's like, come on, man, let me try. You know, Jason like three swings, hits the exact same spot every time, it, you know, it splits. Uh, Jason ended up, I was talking to Chris this morning. Jason actually is like, why don't you go like gather some wood over there or something? <laughs> like he gave him a different job. Like, like, like the key to splitting really hard wood Hit the same spot every single time. It's consistency. It's like I'm going to hit the same spot every time. I'm going to keep hitting it until this thing splits, until we get breakthrough. I'm just going to keep coming. I'm keep coming. And listen, Jason didn't like wake up one. Like Jason, he actually had to like get get better at it. Well, maybe not. I don't, maybe in Weaverville they just are born with the ability to hit the same spot. <laughs> this may be part of the requirement. I don't know. But but you know, you grow up you grow up learning this thing. That's a prayer for us. This is why a season of prayer and fasting is really so powerful because I'm going to, consistency is one of the things that's required from us. And I'm going to hit that thing and I'm going to keep hitting that thing and I'm going to keep hitting that thing I'm gonna keep, and it will break, it will split. I'm not making wood chips right now. Like I'm going to hit this thing, I'm going to hit this thing, I'm going to hit this thing. It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, I mean, people that get breakthrough don't change the subject. Bill, I, again, my pastor in Reading, Bill Johnson, he, he, I don't know if you've been around him, he is the most consistent person you will ever meet in your life. It is amazing. This guy does not change the subject. He is consistent. And you will, I mean, every, uh, they have an offering reading at Bethel that they do. They've done for the last 20 years and they will do that every single week and they will not change. And they're going to pray for the sick every single week. And he is about one thing and he never gets, he never changes. In fact, he told a story when he was in Weaverville pastoring there that a guy came up to him who had been like, I guess, keeping track of 
what he was preaching on. He goes, I've been keeping track the last few months and 90% of what you teach on is about revival. And it was kind of like, he wasn't saying it as a positive, <laughs> like change it up. And Bill looked at him and goes, oh my gosh, thank you so much for letting me know. I had no idea that 10% wasn't about revival. <laughs> I will change that. And, it, and if you know Bill at all, it's the absolute truth. The guy locks in on something and just, yeah, you were in Weaverville, it's just this. I'm going to hit the same spot. And we're, you know, and, and, and so there's just something about a season that we call and say, listen, let's be consistent. Let's go after something together and keep hitting that. Some of you in your life, you just need to keep knocking and just keep being persistent and hit that same spot. And you may be all over the place, but you'll start dialing it in. <laughs> you know, you may be Chris Kiala in the spirit, but you'll eventually... <laughs> Eventually hit it. Tweet that. Don't be Chris Kilala in the spirit. But the other thing is this: there, there is something about the power of focus. Again, I want to live a focused life, but there are times, and that this what's beautiful about the Lord calling us into seasons where we just lock in on something. There's just a focus that begins to come into our life. Do you know that we the, the Bible? compares our life to light, actually says we're the lie of the world. The analogy of light is one of the analogies that's used for believers, one of the pictures. And light's great, but, but light that really breaks through, light that really uh, cuts through something is a laser. So sunlight, we love sunlight. It's, it's warm and it's beautiful and we bask in it. It just doesn't cut through stuff. A laser does. And there's a reason why our laser does. Now, I'm, I'm gonna, you want to know what that reason is? I'm going to read it to you. One of the reasons I love preaching every week is because I get to find out about random science things that I have to bring to you. Ordinary light, like sunlight, is made up of many different wavelengths or colors of light. So ordinary light has a whole bunch of wavelengths and color. Laser light is different. Here's why. Three things. First, the light from a laser contains exactly one color or wavelength rather than a lot of different wavelengths. Scientists say that the laser light is monochromatic, meaning of one color. I love that. Man, when we get into seasons of prayer and fasting, we begin to simplify things. There's so much stuff going on, we begin to simplify. Listen, when it comes to focus, we are easily just so distracted. We are, without question, we are the most distracted generation in the history of the world. Okay, I'm not blaming it on you. They didn't have that phone that's in your pocket that lets you know consistently about all this stuff. Right? So we're just a distracted generation. And there's something about prayer and fasting, especially seasons of prayer and fasting, that begins to lock us in and simplify things. There's not going to be a ton of different wavelengths. There's not going to be a ton. There's just, we're just locking in on one. It's monochromatic. David says, give me an undivided heart that I may praise you, fear your name. Undivided. I got one thing. That's why, I like, that's why I'm such a huge proponent of simple church. I'm not even talking about big or small church. I'm just talking about church gets so complex sometimes. There's so much stuff. Like just locking this thing in. So, so that's one. Here's the other one. Second, all the wavelengths are in phase. That is, they are all waving together like a well-timed well audience wave at a football game. All the wave crests, high points, and troughs, low points, are lined up. 
Scientists say the laser light is coherent. Third, while light waves from ordinary sources, such as flashlights, light bulbs, or the sun, spread out in all directions, laser light waves all travel in the same direction, exactly parallel to one another. This means that laser light beams are very narrow and can be concentrated on one tiny spot. Scientists say the laser light is collimated. I hope I'm saying that right. Not sounds like none of you know. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you to the only smart person in here today. Um, collimated. I mean, how profound is this picture, though, for corporate seasons of prayer and fasting? Uh, so because the laser light is monochromatic, coherent, and collimated, all of its energy is focused to produce a small point of intense power. This focused power makes laser light useful for cutting and welding. So, so we, we take this thing, we begin to focus in. A life of prayer is about consistency and focus. It is about understanding its nature, and it is about consistency and focus. We don't have all of this. We've got this. Now, I'm going to talk about fasting. I'm going to talk through the, some of the benefits of that and all that type of stuff. But, but, but there's something about when I begin to separate from things. There's something about when I begin to deny myself certain things. There's something when I begin to lock in. There's just power in that. There's power in that. And then when all of us lock in together and are headed that direction... Again, there's a certain breakthrough that you'll get in your individual life. I really believe in the next 40 days, there's going to be breakthrough released in individual situations. But there's something powerful. There's breakthrough we get corporately that I cannot get individually. There are things released corporately that as we get in, locked in on one thing, one mind, moving forward, <laughs> simplified our world. And that's why, for me, this, this issue of 40 days of prayer and fasting is so critical. What we're going to go after. Now, let me be practical for a minute, again, because I'm going to teach through a bunch of this stuff over the next few weeks, but let me get practical. So we start today, 40 days of prayer and fasting leading up to the conference. What can you do? One, jump in and fast with us. Jump in and fast with us. Now, some of you may not have fasted in here, so I very much wanted to, you know, and you may, you know, some of you may have grown up in environments where fasting was 40 days on water, nothing else counted. Like, it's 40 days of water, if you don't do that, it doesn't even count. God is not listening to you. So, so there, there's a lot of different ways you can fast, and I would very much encourage you, if you're going to jump in with getting rid of food and stuff like that, just make sure you're smart about that. Make sure, honestly, medically check with things and stuff, because don't just jump into that. But, um, but there, you, you know, the, the jc40days.com will give you different options. There's full fast, partial fast. There's even uh, not just food fast, but fasting things like social media. Can I just say right now, some of you in this room, you need to fast from social media. <laughs> uh, um, some of you in this room, I'm not thinking about anybody in particular, but here's the deal. Some of us in this room need to, because it's going to, one, protect some relationships you maybe need to protect, <laughs> and two, drop your anxiety. This is, I'm just like, let's, let's maybe, maybe social media. Anyways, so that's, that's a side issue, but um, just, a, just pastoral encouragement, that's all. Just some pastoral advice. But um, we, like, so, so, you know, there's certain things, entertainment or, or, you know, whatever, social media. There's different things you can fast. As you lean into God, just say, Lord, what is it? What is it that I'm supposed to kind of fast, separate from, so that I can really lock in and focus on this thing? Some of it is food, and, and again, we'll talk about all, all these benefits and things like that. But, but lean into that. Here's what I'd ask. Just lean in and jump in on the fast. 
at whatever level. If you've been around here long enough, you know that we're not impressed by, you know, how much you give. We're not impressed at how radical you are, you're fast. What we're impressed with is just that you jump in and you lean in and do what God's asking of you. That's what impresses me, okay? So first thing, jump in and fast. And if this is new for you, JCFast, jc40days.com will give you a ton of... Re- Our team's done a really great job of giving you guys resources for all this, all right? Second thing is this, join a house of prayer. There's 31 home groups that will be prayer gatherings. House of prayer, 31 across the region, all over. And we, we're trying to get... We're trying to make this as accessible as possible for you. So for five weeks... We're going to go six weeks, but the sixth week is going to be the conference. So for five weeks, we're going to be meeting in homes all over the region one night a week in order to come together and and pray. And so there will be, um, you know, there'll be times at the front end to connect with one another and go deeper in relationships. There's a 15-minute video I do each week on prayer and fasting, and then that will lead into an actual time of prayer as we press into this thing, okay? And we're going to be going after four main areas of focus. So for 40 days, it'll split up into 10-day four 10-day focuses. Uh, The first one is this, an outpouring of his presence. We're going to come as empty vessels and just welcome God to pour out his presence in our midst. And then I'm praying that that will result in the second focus, which is the church awakened, where the church believers, your hearts will come alive to him. Uh, uh, You'll have a fresh encounter with him, that the cause of Christ will come alive, that the third focus will be the lost saved, and the fourth focus is culture transformed. So outpouring of his presence, church awakened, lost saved, um, culture transformed, which that for me is the four elements of revival. So, so we're going to be going after those four things. And so as we get into these home groups and things like that, we'll be praying into that. Really encourage you to do that. You can go to jc40days.com to find out where these homes are. And uh, so you, you can't just show up to one. You have to sign up because some are full. And so we just have to find out where we fill these up. They have told me that there are, there are homes, groups from Lodi to Lincoln, Rancho Marietta to Rancho Cordova, even way out in Murphy's, which I don't even know where that is, but God bless Murphy's. God, come to Murphy's. Pour out your spirit in Murphy's. So there's hopefully something near you where you don't have to come to Folsom, but you can be more in your area at the night thing, okay? The other thing is this, and I'm going to let you go in just a second. The other thing is this. Sign up for email and text reminders. So what we're going to do is for 40 days, we're going to send you a daily devotion, There'll be a daily devotion based on these focuses, okay? A daily devotion. And so if you sign up for a text reminder and email, we'll make sure you guys get all of those. As well, every Monday for six weeks, there will be a video that you can watch that's just an encouragement video, just a few-minute video just kind of connecting us all together and just encouraging you for that week ahead. All right? You can stay connected on social media, JC40Days, you can, uh, or hashtag JC40Days, hashtag United in Prayer. You can go get all of the resources, articles, frequently asked questions at the website. And there's two more things, or one more thing. We have uh, kind of uh, this band, it says United in Prayer, and then just has our logo on it. Uh, we've got a whole bunch. You can have them as you walk out the door. Here's what I encourage you. Grab one of these bands, put it on as a reminder to pray every day and to lean on this thing, Okay. So, so just grab one of these bands on the way out, put it on your wrist as you go out the door, and then for 40 days, we're going to press in on this thing. Now, there's four areas of focus that I told you we're going to do, and then I'm attaching two other things to it, because I'm the pastor and I can. 
One is this. I want us to pray for our conference. I really believe God wants to do something significant at our conference, not just for the people that will come from all over the nation and the world, but for our house in particular. I believe God wants to release something, and I want us to lean in and pray into that. The second thing is, is I want us to pray that God would uh, provide a building and resources for that building. So if you've been with us at all, you know we're looking for a facility. Uh, we're looking for a permanent, uh, a permanent home. And uh, right now, we're, we're in the preparation phase of raising $2 million. We've raised half of that, a million. And, and so, but we're going to keep pressing into this because, one, we do need resources for it, but we also need an actual building. So, um, so we're leaning into that. So here's what we've done. You have a band for that, but here's our second thing that I'm going to do. We have actually come up with little house car air fresheners. They say finding home on them and our logo. And what I really genuinely want, I genuinely want you to put this in your car and as you're driving around, I want you, and wherever you live, just drive around and as you're driving, I want you to appeal to heaven. God, release finances for a facility and actually show us where we're to be. Like show us what building we're to be in, open doors, favor, all that type of stuff, okay? Now, so you could take one of these. Now, because I love you so much, here's what happens. We actually got together and somebody somewhere decided that the new car smell is the most neutral smell for everybody. We bought a thousand of them. Zach put them in his car and started driving and texted me as like banning. I've, I've almost passed out three times and gotten in a car wreck. It smells so bad. It smells so bad. And, and I smell them. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and some are like, well, you're just supposed to like, just take a little bit. And I'm like, listen, small, bad, lot, bad. It just smells bad. I don't know what new car they were talking about. Uh, you know, it, it was like somebody set off a bug bomb and they're like, that's what new car smells like. So, um, so we actually sent all of those back. And uh, uh, I think what we have now for everybody is there's vanilla. And then I think next week we also have guava coming in or something like that. So I'm trying to find like, you know, friendlier smells than the new car smell. I don't want anybody dying uh, uh, while they're driving. All right. So, so here's what we're going to do. JC40days.com. Jump in the fast. Jump in a prayer gathering somewhere near you. All right. And then we're going to lock in on these things. Sign up for the email and the text. Uh, grab a wristband on the way out. Grab one of these. If you've got a car, put it in there. We're going to pray. And I, I really believe that God wants to do something. I, I believe, too, we're going to pray corporately for our house and everything, but I believe God wants to do something. And I, I'm going to talk about this. But prayer and fasting is not just getting breakthrough from God. It shapes our life in a pretty profound way. Our life gets shaped and molded and formed as we do this. All right? Stand up with me. Thank you, Zach, for being the test subject, by the way. Really, really appreciate your sacrifice in our environment. Zach was the guinea pig. Oh, come on. Grab the hand of somebody next to you. This is a fellow wavelength. That's a, this is a fellow wavelength that's going to lock in with you, and we're going to go get breakthrough in some areas, all right? So, Lord, I just pray as we step into this season of prayer and fasting, God, I pray as we step into this time of just, uh, just focus and consistency. 
we, we want to come. God, reveal yourself to us. We want to meet with you as Moses met with you. We want to meet with you as Jesus met with you. We want our lives shaped and molded and formed, and we want to see breakthrough. And we want to be not only individuals, but we want to be a house that is like a laser that gets breakthrough. And Lord, we are asking that you would pour out your spirit. We are asking you to awaken the church. We are asking that the lost would come in and get saved and culture be transformed. And as we lead up to the conference, God, would you shape our house, shape our, shape who we are. And I pray as well that there is breakthrough that some of you have been asking God for. I pray that you'd see it in 40 days. I pray that God would release something in your own life. That it wouldn't just be about a corporate fast, but God would release. That there would be relational breakthrough, that there would be financial breakthrough, that there would be physical breakthrough, that there would be emotional and mental breakthrough in so many lives as we press in on this thing. And God, we just say as we start this out, thank you that you're a God who answers prayer. Thank you that you're a God who actually hears us and is moved by us. We just love you, Jesus.